Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke 10.27. Luke 10.27. And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Let us pray. Father, we come to you now recognizing you as our, our creator, the one true high and holy God. Lord, we know that uh, you are truth and you are love and you uh, gave us both of these through your word. Lord, we uh, come to you now. We ask that you accept our worship and that we focus on the words that we're about to learn, test these words by the scripture, and take them into our heart. Lord, we, uh, we pray for uh, our brothers and sisters overseas now, especially those in Ukraine. Lord, we ask that uh, you keep them safe, Lord, and you give the leaders wisdom to bring this conflict to an end, restore peace. Lord, we thank you for uh, your son, Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice on the cross that, uh, that even makes what we're doing matter. In his name we pray, amen. Our next song is also on the PowerPoint. It's called Every Time. Realize it might be a newer song for most of us. Um, the verses, um, the men will lead and the ladies will echo and we'll sing the chorus together. Um, and the very last line of the song, uh, we'll sing together also right after the last time we sing the chorus. <clears throat> Every time I kneel to pray, I open up my heart to my Lord. Every time I close my eyes, I feel the sweet embrace of my Lord. I don't know why so many things seem to get in the way of seeing my God's glory. Every 
time I see a child, I see the gentleness of my Lord. Every time I watch a storm, I know the awesome power of my Lord. I don't know why so many things seem to get in the way of seeing my God's glory. I'd like to mark your songbook for the song of invitation. It is in the songbook, I promise. Um, number 714, Trust and Obey. That'll be the song after the lesson. The song before the lesson will be, Have You Seen Jesus My Lord? Um, and it is on the PowerPoint only also. And if you see me squinting, that's because I don't have a copy. I'm trying to see the TV back there. So, uh, If you would, please stand while we sing. <clears throat> Have you ever stood at the ocean with a white foam at your feet? Felt the endless thundering motion, then I'd say you've seen Jesus my Lord. Have you seen Jesus my Lord? He's here in plain view. Take a look, open your eyes. He'll show it to you. Have you ever stood at the sunset with the sky mellowing red? Seen the clouds suspended like feathers, then I'd say you've seen Jesus my Lord. Have you seen Jesus my Lord? He's here in plain view. Take a look, open your eyes, he'll show it to you. Have you ever stood at the cross with a man hanging in pain? Seen the look of love in his eyes, then I'd say you've seen Jesus my Lord. Have you seen Jesus my Lord? He's 
plain view. Take a look, open your eyes, he'll show it to you. Have you ever stood in the family with the Lord there in your midst? Seen the face of Christ on each other, then I'd say you see Jesus my Lord. Have you seen Jesus my Lord? He's here in plain view. Take a look, open your eyes. He'll show it to you. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you. That's really loud, so they're going to adjust that. Now you're awake. Uh, good morning. Good to see you. I hope that you are having a good morning. Glad that we can be here together. Uh, Jay, family, I love you. I'm always happy to worship with you. I uh, appreciate you. I know we sang a few new songs today. Y'all did fantastic. Uh, and I, I pray that God was pleased with the uh, uh, offering that we sent to him through those songs and through all of our worship. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, thank you. Thanks for being our guest. We appreciate you being here. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Again, like I said last week, you could have been uh, lots of other places, but you chose to be here to serve God, worship God, and we are thankful for you. And if you're visiting with us, I know we've had some people, I've met some of you that have been visiting for a little while, haven't met others. Uh, we want you to know that we want you to be a part of our family. Uh, we want you to be here. We want you to be a, a part of this family here at JA. It's a, it's a great time to be a part of the family at JA. You heard earlier today about the things we've been doing. We're trying to be an active congregation and serve the Lord and serve our community. Uh, today we're actually starting a series that's helping us to, uh, to recognize and, and focus in on some things about a, a mission, what we really want to be about uh, as a congregation and talk about these things and, and have these things regularly on our mind. So if you're visiting with us first time or long time visitor, uh, we really want you to be a part of the family here and, and be a part of the family of God because in reality it's not our invitation. Uh, we're inviting you to obey the, the Lord's invitation. Uh, we're inviting you to, to become a Christian, especially if, if you're not one. Uh, but let me just tell you a little bit about us here at JA before we really get into our sermon. Uh, we, as this group of people that meet here regularly, we are flawed people. So if you're looking for perfect people, keep on going down the road. You probably aren't going to find them there either. Uh, but we are flawed people who are striving to serve and follow a perfect God. A God that loved us enough to come to this earth and die for us uh, and fix the relationship that we messed up. That we've messed up with poor choices, poor decisions, mistakes, and sin. And we believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God. Uh, members here at Jefferson Avenue have decided, have named, and have and tried to live like Jesus is our Lord. He's the, the one who's in charge, the leader of our life. Uh, we have chosen to follow him, rejecting all others. Uh, God tells us in his word to be baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins. And just about everybody who's regularly here has done that because we want to follow what God's word says. And when we did that, we began the journey. We began the journey towards our heavenly home. Jesus says in his father's house are many dwelling places. There's room for everybody. And we're on our way to that heavenly home. 
And we struggle and we fail and we fall and we help each other stand up and try again. And if you want to be a part of God's family and the family specifically that meets here at Jefferson Avenue, we want to talk to you about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can let us know that right this second if you want to. Or you can wait till the end of the sermon and let us know by coming forward and sitting on these pews when we sing our next song. Or if you're not comfortable doing that, just grab us right after services and let us know. Or any other time, we want to talk to you and show you God's word and the gospel of Jesus Christ and God's word. That is the invitation of God and that is the invitation that we offer to you to be a part of our family here at Jefferson Avenue. The elders, the shepherds here at JA are mindful of leading this congregation in the footsteps of Jesus according to the word of God. And they know, like you do, that it's far too easy to get distracted by the details of everyday life and to lose sight of the big picture, the most important things. Uh, Together, the shepherds, and they brought in the ministry team from time to time, they've been discussing and praying and carefully studying God's word to think about what are the things that God, in his word, sets apart and above all other things. And in the course of this study, there are two passages that rose to the surface. Not that the other passages aren't important, but that God places emphasis on these two passages. And we want to start with those this morning. I hope if you have your Bibles, you'll turn with me to these passages. They're familiar passages because they're important passages. But we want you to remember these things. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 35. Matthew 22, starting in verse 35. Important passages that, that we here uh, at JA, that the, the, our elders, they want us to remember these things and for these passages to, to shape everything that we see. Uh, Christian glasses to shape everything that we see as individuals, as families, and as a congregation. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 35. It says, one of them, one of these Jewish leaders who was a lawyer, asked Jesus a question in testing him. And he said in verse 36, teacher... What is the great commandment in the law? Now, in the Old Testament, there were over 600 laws. So he's testing him. You know, just think about that. The last time you had a test and had to memorize 10 things, 20 things. But he's asking Jesus out of the 600 plus commandments, Jesus, what's the one greatest? And he hopes. He's testing him. He's wanting him to to mess up, to fail. But notice what Jesus says in verse 37. And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and foremost or first most important commandment. And he goes on. He gets extra credit in this test in verse 39. And he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he makes this statement in verse 40, which is powerful. And why we know that this command to love God with everything you've got and to love your neighbor as yourself, this is something that God, Jesus especially, rises to the top of the importance of the commandments that we have within the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, the Bible. He says on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. What that means is everything you read from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Malachi in the Old Testament, all of it has to do with loving God with everything you've got and loving your neighbor as yourself. And I would argue that everything you read from the beginning of Matthew to the end of Revelation, that's also true. Everything you read from Genesis to Revelation, everything depends on our ability and our response to these commandments that God has given to us to love Him first, foremost, above all other things, with everything that we've got, and to love our neighbors just like we love ourselves. That's important. God tells us that's important. And the other passage that rose to the top in the midst of this study is uh, the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, if you want to turn there. 
Matthew chapter 28, we'll read verses uh, 18 and following. Matthew 28, 18 and following. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he gives them marching orders to his church that last, those orders last even to today. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus wants us to be his disciples. And Jesus wants us and gives the charge for us to go and make disciples. So if we think about this, uh, if we, we thought about not a, not, a, not a mantra, not a statement of faith, nothing like that. But if we want to think about in everything that we do, in every ministry that we have at JA, the, the things we did yesterday when we were giving, uh, giving away things to our community members in need, why were we doing that? Because we love God, because we love others, because we are disciples, and we're trying to help those people become disciples. That's why we did it. Why did the Jefferson Avenue Men's Ministry go and take meals to, to some folks who, who uh, it was just good to visit them, and, and they're shut in, and we don't see them a whole lot of time? Because we love God, because we love others, because we are disciples, and we want to encourage them to continue to grow in their discipleship, because most of those are, them are Christians. Everything that we do as an individual, in our families, and as a congregation and every ministry that's a part of this congregation should come down to and tie into those things. Hopefully, you can see there, there's no effort here to, to fall short or to go beyond what God has told us in his word or what God expects of us. But having a, a stated mission like this, love God, love others, be and make disciples, it, it doesn't change anything biblically, but instead it, it clarifies everything that we do practically. It helps us to answer a few questions. It helps us to answer the question, what is the best way that we, the Jefferson Avenue Church of Christ, here in this day, what is the best way that we can serve and follow God's commands today? It answers the what, the who, the why, and the how of everything that we do here at Jefferson Avenue. This is true, this statement that I'm about to say, and this is true, and it's becoming more true and will always be becoming more true. That here at JA... Here at the Jefferson Avenue Church of Christ, we are people who love God and we love others. We are striving to be Christ's disciples and we are encouraging with everything that we've got other people to be his disciples in the world around us. And as Christ's church, these things must never slump or fall by the wayside. They are the guiding principles of everything that we do and we are individually and as a body of believers that meet here on the corner of Jackson and Jefferson in Cookville, Tennessee. These are the things that we want to be about because these things encapsulate or a good overview of what the Bible teaches that God's people should be. Now the question is, that really sounds pretty good, doesn't it? You know, if we could all love God, love others, be and make disciples, if we were really about that in our lives, that, that sounds really good. But you know what's happened? For about 2,000 years, churches have come up with some sort of catchy phrase. Churches have come up with some sort of, you know, really good encapsulating message. And they've come up with the words, and then a lot of times over those 2,000 years, so millions upon millions of congregations have done this sort of thing. And you know what normally happens? Nothing changes. We just go about doing the same things that we've been doing, and we don't grow any closer to God. Now, again, we're not trying to change anything biblically, but we're trying to change everything. We're trying to clarify everything practically. We want to make sure that everything we do, 
when the, when the teenagers and the, the youth group have a pizza party, somehow it's got to be about loving God, loving others, being and making disciples. It's got to be about that somehow because that's what God's people are about and we want to be God's people. Amen? Let me hear it one more time. We want to be God's people, right? Okay, well, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. We want to be God's people. So the question becomes, and what we want to focus on this morning is, well, what does it mean? What does it mean that we are people who love God? This must be more than words. We want it to be more than words. It's been, it's been words for a long time, not necessarily here, but throughout Christianity. It's been a, words for a long time. They sound good. It, it sounds like something we're excited about, but we want it to be more than words. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, and what, what was read to us earlier in Luke chapter 10 and verse 27, uh, these verses tell us to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. So briefly, but I hope a little more in depth than just saying that or singing those words, I want to talk about what does it mean? What does it mean to love God with all of your heart? Well, there is an aspect of love and an aspect of our love for God that is an emotional aspect. Now, in our fellowship, we've tended to shy away from that a little bit, and for good reason, because some of our religious friends have gone fully into that and have ignored all other things. We can't stop an emotion, but we can't miss it either. Do you love your wife, husbands? Good answer. Do you love your children? Do you love your parents? Do you, do you love your loved ones? Well, of course you do. Is there an emotional aspect of that? Hopefully there is an emotional aspect of that. Do you love God? Yes. Hopefully there's an emotional aspect of that. You don't stop an emotion, but you can't miss it. When, when, we, when we surround the table and we think about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who gives us hope of heaven, was nailed to a cross, was beaten, was mocked, was spat upon, was slapped, couldn't, was so weak he couldn't carry his own cross up the hill. There should be an emotional response to that. Not just in that moment, but throughout our lives. We should live our life as in a response to everything he has done for us. And again, we don't stop an emotion, but we can't miss it. We should love God with all of our heart. We should love God with all of our soul. Now, when we think about soul, what, what do you want deep down in your soul? What are your deepest desires? Now, most of the time, if we're just natural... Uh, then, then we need, then those things might not be godly. Our deepest desires may be things that God even says specifically are things that, that we not, not want to do, that He doesn't want us to do. So we've got to move from our natural desires to more spiritual desires. We've got to mature in our faith, but we love God with our soul, with all of our soul. That means that the things that we want the most, they go from worldly things to godly things. And that doesn't happen easily, that doesn't happen overnight, but that is a maturity that we are striving to seek. We love God with all of our mind. That means our thoughts should be centered on God. Now, in my lifetime, it, it, there's been a lot of uh, warning to teenagers or children or, you know, those kind of folks. Hey, be careful what you're listening to on the radio. Hey, be careful what you're watching on TV. And we, we tend to, to warn teenagers about those sorts of things. But the reality is, adults, you struggle with that too, don't you? This is yes. This is no. You do. We do. The world is striving to cram stuff into our brains. And the vast majority of it is ungodly. 
If you love God with all of your mind, and this is something we all have to grow in, if you love God with all of your mind, that means your thoughts, all of your thoughts, every thought should be centered on God. How do we do that? Well, Romans chapter 12 tells us that we transform our mind, right? We transform by the renewal of our mind. We've got to take the things that are ungodly and get them out of our minds, and we've got to fill our minds with more godly things. And yes, that's not going to be easy. It's going to be a long process. But if we love God, that's what we're going to do. And then we love God with all of our strength. Loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of this leads to a a galvanizing force, a a, a willingness, a, a determination within you when it's paired with a command. Because you love God with all of your heart, emotionally you love God. Because you love God with all of your soul, your deepest desires are to please God and to do godly things. Because you love God with all of your mind, you have taken control of your mind and you're focused on godly things. Then you have a galvanizing force, you have a strength to do what God has commanded you to do. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. This morning as we continue and our, kind of our, our last wrapping up here, but, but I want to think about four biblical descriptions of this type of love for God. You know, as I was studying for this this week, it's amazing. Uh, I, didn't, I couldn't find a whole lot of verses that talk about our love for God. You think that sounds weird, doesn't it? You would think that the words God and love would be in a lot of verses together. And they are. But most of the time when the words God and love are together, it's talking about God's love for us. But we're talking about our love for God. So what does that look like? What does it mean to love God? Again, we don't want this to be more than words. As a congregation, and that's great and that's wonderful, but but what about you? Do you want... The idea that you would say freely and easily, someone asked you, do you love God? And you said, yes. Do you want that to be more than words? Do you want to know what it really means or what it really looks like? Our love for God must be, number one, an exclusive love. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Turn to these passages with me. Maybe mark them to help you remember. Because, again, there, there aren't a whole lot of passages that talk about our love specifically for God or our relationship with Him. Matthew 6. In verse 24, an exclusive love. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. No one can serve both God and wealth, or God and physical things, or God and anything else. He says, when we're talking about our love for God, it is exclusive. What does that look like? Well, the church is the bride of Christ. And when I think about marriage... The love the husband and wife have for one another is an exclusive love, isn't it? I, don't, I love all of you. I don't love any of you like I love Lena. Amen. Right? You're like, thank the Lord. Uh, I love you, but I don't love you like I love Lena. And I shouldn't, should I? I, I it's an exclusive love. And, and people don't like the word exclusive because that means, you know, er, everybody else. Everybody else is out, outside. It's not inclusive, it's exclusive. My love for my wife is unlike any love that I have for anyone else in the whole world, and always will be. And my love for God must be the same. It's exclusive, it's different, it's a different kind of love. God's love for me is a different kind of love, so why shouldn't my love for God be a different kind of love? We read in that passage in Matthew chapter 6, and sometimes we wonder the, the why of these things. Well, in, in the, the following verses, it talks about the, the care and the concern that God has for us. Remember, it talks about the birds of the air, how he feeds them. It talks about the flowers uh, of the field, how he clothes them, and no one else has ever been clothed like them. And then he talks about don't worry. 
Well, that's the kind of love and relationship that God wants to have with us. It's an exclusive love. Now, God has that love for all of us, but he has that love for all of us individually. He loves you like that. He loves me like that. And we must love him like that. Our love for God must be an exclusive love. Secondly, it must be a surpassing love. Turn over to Matthew chapter 10. Again, a passage you'll be familiar with. It probably has made you uncomfortable before. Matthew chapter 10, uh, verses 37 through 39. Matthew 10, 37 through 39. It's Jesus says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Not only is it an exclusive love, it's a surpassing love. Exclusive doesn't mean that I don't love other people or other things. Again, we love our families, we love our friends, we love our church family. But it's a surpassing love. Uh, Paul says, you know, am I still trying to please men or God? If I was still striving to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of God. I love you. We need to love each other. We need to be there for each other. And we need to put each other as more important than ourselves and make sacrifices for each other. In our our marriages, with our children, with our parents, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Next week we'll talk about loving others. But this love that we have for God is a surpassing love. That means that that any time that there's a, a conflict between my love for you or anyone else, and my love for God, God always wins. I'm not going to please you if pleasing you would mean displeasing God. I'm going to do everything that I can to love him. But notice it doesn't, start, it doesn't stop there with mom and dad, son and daughter. What else does it say? Anyone who doesn't take up his own cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. That means I love God more than I love myself. Maybe that's the most difficult one. You love God more than you love yourself. What does that mean? Well, Luke 9.23 tells us, Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow after me. To be a Christian, and let's be clear, to be a Christian, to be a faithful Christian that meets here at Jefferson Avenue, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And And I want to, and I trust that you want to, deny myself. Every day. Pick up the cross, the responsibility, the burden, the privilege to be a Christian and follow after Jesus every single day. Our love for God must be surpassing. Our love for God, thirdly, must be an obedient love. In John chapter 14, turn over there. John chapter 14. Now, again, like I said, there there are not a whole lot of passages that talk about our our love for God. uh, But this is probably the the clearest one. Uh, that, that's the easiest to understand, but it's probably the one that, that most people, maybe not most Christians, but most people will be uh, the one they, they dislike the most. Let's read a few verses here. We'll jump around a little bit, uh, and we'll end in John fourteen fifteen. But let's start in John 14, uh, verse 21. He says, He who has my commandments, okay, so actions, commandments, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. We are people who love God. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Skip down to verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Did you notice the the connection, the the very uh, 
family-like connection there. Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. Uh, and, and not only that, but there's, there's a, what happens if I do that, then I'm going to come and abode with you. I'm going to abide with you. I'm going to live with you. I'm going to set up shop with you. And my father's going to come too. It's going to be a whole family's going to be there. We will be together. There are promises that come along with this. And then, you know, John 14, 15, where Jesus simply says these words very directly. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Again, the clearest probably of all passages that talk about our love for God. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But at the same time, the one that people are the least interested in, right? There are commandments. There are things that we must do. And us doing those things prove our love for God. We don't do those things. Those things don't show that we love God or prove our love for God necessarily. But because we love God, we do those things. It's so closely related that it's hard to, to separate it in reality. If you love God, you'll do his commandments. And Jesus said in those words too, if you don't keep my commandments, then you're proving to me that you don't really love me. And again, that doesn't mean perfectly, but it does mean faithfully. And lastly, our love for God must be a preserving love. Turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, let's look at verse 12. James chapter 1 and verse 12. Here is, a, again, one of those promises that come along with our love for God. James chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who preserves under trial... For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, listen to this, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Do you want to go to heaven? Jesus says, love me. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Scripture tells us if we love God, we'll love him more than anybody else, even ourselves. Scripture tells us if you love God, you'll love him to the exclusion of everyone else, if that's necessary. We, we are striving to be, if you're visiting with us and members, if you've been here for a long time, I, I know we're striving to be people who love God. It's true in our hearts. It's becoming more and more true in our souls, our deepest desires. Uh, this love requires the thoughts of our minds to be captivated and to be held captive by Christ. And this love for God strengthens us to follow him. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, it tells us the why of all of these things. We love because he first loved us. I've said this a lot. I said it in Bible class this morning. I've said it in lots of sermons. But it's because it's a way that my mind works. I need to live my life as a response to what God has done in my life. God loves me. God died for me. God rose from the grave for me and for you. God has grace for me and mercy for me. And I need to respond by living my life for him. Loving God, loving others, being a disciple of Christ, and helping others to be a disciple of Christ shapes and determines all that we do. In individuals, in families, in congregations, and in ministry. And this morning, if you're not a Christian, whether you're a visitor with us or you've been here for a long time. God loved you enough to come to this world, to live a perfect life, die a horrible death, raised from the grave miraculously to give you the hope of eternal life.
If you believe that and you're willing to commit your life to him, to repent of your sins and to begin to follow him, to name him as your Lord, the leader of your life, and to submit to baptism because scripture tells us in baptism is where our sins are washed away. If you're interested in that, then we're ready to help you in that. We want to talk to you about it. If you're ready to do that, there's water behind me and we're ready right now. Brothers and sisters, uh, whether it's a mission statement or a phrase or whether we just look at it from scripture, the words we've talked about today are true. And the challenge is putting them into practice. So today and tomorrow and for however many days God gives you, love God with everything you've got. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be a disciple of Christ by denying yourself daily, picking up your cross and following after him. And help others to become disciples of his as well. If you need anything this morning, we want to help you on your journey towards heaven. We invite you to come as we stand and sing.